Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today is um, Genesis 20, 21, Psalms 10, and Matthew 10. I hope you are enjoying all these talks. Um, and you are here because you are royalty. And this, my friend, is your identity revealed through the Bible, through the Word, in bits and pieces. Even the stories that just don't settle well with you, maybe it's to show you a contrast. Maybe it's to show you a dark side. You know, they say if you want to get better or you want to grow, you either have to live an experience. If you want to gain wisdom, you either learn from a mentor or experience it yourself. Well, the Bible is the greatest mentor. And sometimes things are told through story, even if we don't like it. So here we go. Chapter 20. Abraham, um, he, oh my gosh. Abraham, remember he lied before? Well, he lies again. And, and, and that's, that's quite an amazing thing. You know, Abraham was so special to God and he loved him, protected him, blessed him. And yet he likes to lie. Okay. He lied, but it was only a white lie apparently. So, um, Abraham bumped into the King, King Abimelech, Abimelech of Gerar. And he told Sarah, Hey, tell them you're my sister. Don't forget. Um, and I'm just your brother. So exact, exactly what they did. And so the Ab- Abimelech king took Sarah, um, although he didn't do anything to her because God protects her. Um, and God actually came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, you are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Oh. Okay, so Abimelech gets up, talks to his people, said, oh my gosh, this is what happened. And, um, oh, and God also said, yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience. And so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet and he will pray for you and will, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die. Okay, so he gets up from this dream tells his people, they go to Abraham and say, whoa, why did you do that? Why did you lie? And then Abraham says, well, it wasn't quite really a lie. Um, she was actually my father's, let's see, where does it say that? Um, she's not really, well, she's my wife and my sister because she was his father's daughter from another wife. Okay, don't forget, even if you have, if you wrinkle your nose and go, ew, gross, Remember, different culture, different time. Um, okay. And he says, why'd you do that? He said, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. Hmm. And when God had me wander from my father's house, okay, on and on, you got to read the story. Stick with the story. Every piece of the story is important to the future. And that's why it's so important to go through the Old Testament. Just like chapter 21, here we have finally Sarah is pregnant. She gives birth to a son, Isaac. And then after Isaac is weaned off, um, he is, they have a ceremony for him. And after that, Sarah doesn't really like Hagar and Ishmael anymore. She's kind of irritated and feels that the kid is mocking. Um, and she just doesn't want Ishmael to have the inheritance of Abraham. So she tells Abraham, you got to get rid of Hagar and Ishmael. I don't want them. So 
he wasn't happy about that because that's his son, but he sent her away. And then God protected her and said, don't you worry now. Your son is going to have be of many nations, of great nations. Um, and, oh yeah, because the boy almost died after when they were sent away. They ran out of food. He almost died. And then God rescued them and gave them water and they were fine. So we're moving on. Um, chapter 21. It's a long chapter, actually. So at the time... Abimelech and P-H-I-C-O-L, Ficol, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Now swear to me here before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Show to me and the country where you now reside as foreigner the same kindness I have shown you. So Abimelech, even though he's not, um, a go- he doesn't believe in God, he's not a, he doesn't fear the Lord, he knows God is real. Abraham's God is real. And he wants to make a pact, an oath um, with Abraham that he will not hurt his descendants. Abraham does it. So they make, the two men swore an oath that, that they will not hurt each other. Why is that significant? It will become later on in different generations, future generations, that that promise was very, very important. That treaty between Abimelech and um um, Abraham. Alrighty. Okay, let's move on. Then we are going to go to Psalms 10. Now, remember, every time we read a chapter in Psalms, it's a different flavor. Sometimes he's celebrating. Sometimes he's in awe. Sometimes he's crying in misery. Sometimes he's angry. There's always a different expression. But it just goes to show the transparency um, when they're just opening their heart to the Lord and they're really crying out to God. And that's exactly what happens in chapter 10. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Have you ever felt like God is distant from you? Like you just can't feel him? You're going through something and it's like, I just don't feel the Lord. I just don't feel his comfort and peace. Well, neither did David. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts about the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. Your laws are rejected by him. He sneers at all his enemies. He says to himself, nothing will ever shake me. He swears, no one will ever do me harm. And so he's basically saying, why, why are you not coming to my rescue? Look at what the enemy's doing. The enemy's winning. The enemy's getting away with all his schemes and he's just arrogant and, and he's telling lies and threats and come on, God. That's what he's saying in this um, chapter, which is so often what we're doing. Like, come on, God, look at the evil that's happening in the world. And maybe that's our job. Maybe that maybe we're supposed to cry out to God like this. Maybe we're supposed to say, come on, God, rescue these children from human trafficking. Rescue these girls, these, this corruption in our governments. Make the evil people suffer or be punished. And maybe it's our job to just cry out to God with more passion and more fervor than a simple little prayer or hoping that things fix themselves. And um, so that's just what an illustration of this chapter is doing is just just really pouring out saying specifics 
Um, and I'm moving down to verse 10 where it says, his, vict- his victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, God will never notice. Oh, no, wait. The bad guy says, God will never notice. He covers his face and never sees. And then verse 12, it says, arise, Lord. There's an exclamation mark. Arise, Lord. Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Um, it sounds like he's interceding for the suffering. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account, but you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account to for his wickedness that would not otherwise be found. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. That was a very passionate, passionate prayer where he is interceding for the suffering and saying, yes, God will prevail. That was good. Okay. Matthew chapter 10. Ah, we're going to be introduced to all the 12 disciples. This is exciting. Okay. So in verse two, well, let me just read from verse one, verse one, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. You notice it says every disease and sickness. And he gave them authority. These are power words. Um, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, it was Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee. His brother John, Philip, and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus. And Thaddeus, Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That's a powerful mandate. That means we can do the exact same thing. We can heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. Not necessarily just leprosy, but like, hello, any infection. Freely you receive, freely you give. Powerful stuff. Now, you might ask, well, why was that message only for the Israelites and not the Gentiles and the Samaritans? Let's just ponder on that question. Let's just ponder on that question. I don't have the exact answer. Um, maybe it'll come to us. You'd think, well, that's not really fair. But remember, as we're reading the Old Testament, see how things are bouncing back? There is history as to why at this moment, it's not the Jews, it's not the Gentiles and the Samaritans, but after the crucifixion, when Jesus dies on the cross, then it includes everybody. Okay, so moving right along, chapter 10. Um, he's telling the disciples, go out and do all these things and go into people's homes. And if they are deserving, bless their home and 
Yeah. Um, and then he says, I'm sending you out like the sheep among wolves. There, uh, therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as, as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local council and flogged in the synagogues. Basically, you're going to suffer on his account. But don't be afraid. The spirit of your father speaks through you. We're always protected. So he's kind of forewarning them. Brother will betray. Ooh, this is good stuff. Oh my goodness. Okay. In those times when there's just corruption and evil in the world, brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Yes. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel. Okay, so he's telling the story. Okay. Then going down, so do not be afraid of them. If there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden, that will not be made known. Basically, Jesus is saying, all those who have done evil, it will come out. And that's what we're standing on. We're still standing on that hope and truth that... The evil that has been done, it will come out. Um, uh, and that you are known. You are called. Um, I love the story. He tells the story of the two sparrows. And he says, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many, many sparrows. Okay, that is such a powerful verse to stand on. Don't ever, ever doubt, doubt your importance, your value, and how much you're loved. Jesus says right here that every hair on your head is numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. So beautiful. I do not count to... I do not come to bring peace, but a sword. I love this part. I do not come to bring a sword. I mean, I'm sorry. I do not come to bring peace. Okay, so let's go back. Let's back up a little bit. Verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. What? I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against his daughter-in-law, a man's enemies. Many will reject the good news, basically very similar to what's happened in 2020. Everyone thinks that we're so united and we're so togetherness until you have to stand by believing in something. And then you see it. You see it all over the news. It's family against family member because they had to stand. And that's what Jesus is saying right here. Be strong, hold a sword. There will not always be peace because people have to stand for something. That is so powerful. And then we end, I'll end it here because it's such a long, beautiful chapter. I hope you read it. Um, He talks about whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life will, oh my goodness, I just want to read all the verses to you. Basically read that one, it's so good. Anyone who welcomes You welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Oh, love that. Please read this chapter. It's so beautiful. 
and I think you'll like it. Um, yep, that was Genesis 2021, 20, Psalms 10, Matthew 10. Have a beautiful day.